Welcome to Core 242 Podcast, brought to you by Core Community Covenant Church. Now let's dive into the Word of God with Pastor Max and Pastor Church. God bless you and thank you so much for joining us. We're excited to teach today on praising God with song. Now, please don't put us right back in the box of song meaning worship and you're going back to the past, the 15 minutes on Sunday, right before the sermon or before the offering plate goes around. Yes, if you've been around us for a while now, you remember that we teach about way to worship God. So this series has been the way to worship God. We talked about worshiping, uh, praising God in the daily grind. We talked about praising God in our anger, praising God in dance and here we're talking about praising God and song. So this is just another way that we want to focus on to give glory to God. Right. So getting into this teaching, two things from, from the offset is that before people just tune out or skip past the sermon, because the pretty standard way of praising God is, you know, praise and worship, right? We come to church on a Sunday and you have that time to, to sing and uh, we, we're not going to belabor the point of that we should worship God through song or, uh, or even why we should worship God through song. I think inherently um, as human beings, we are designed to worship God. It, every major religion has some form of worship through singing and music. Um, so there's something fundamental. We, we don't need to, to get too far into that point. Uh, so really what we want to look at is the how right? How do we worship God? How do we praise God through song? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, St. Augustine is quoted as saying that he who sings prays twice. And I just thought that was such a beautiful quote because when we pray with our words, right, we're engaging and we're communicating with God through our mind. Um, but when we sing with uh, praise to God, we are praying, but with our heart. So we're, we're singing with both our heart and our mind and we're offering that up to God. And I just think that's a beautiful way to start uh, today's teaching. And as we look at John chapter four, the story that, that just draws me just this, this age old question uh, this, that so many churches are still wrestling with, which is, you know, how, how do we worship God? Mm -hmm. uh, what is the appropriate way to do that? And many churches are divided over, you know, contemporary worship versus old hymns, or should yeah. you have drums? And <laughs> There's a, a number of these questions. Should we sway? <laughs> exactly. Can you lift your hands? Can you not lift your hands? Which is, we talked about a little bit last yeah. week. But in this story in John chapter 4, I just think it's interesting that once the woman at the well is convinced that, that Jesus is a prophet, she, she brings that exact debate, this debate that even 2,000 years later is still dividing the church. She says, I can see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so it's, well, how? How do we worship? Should we worship here? Should we worship there? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this was something that caused division even in Jesus' day among uh, Jewish believers. And Jesus says, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Salvation is from the Jews. Yet the time is coming and has now come. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So that's what we're going to really break down. Uh, the first part is 
what does it mean to worship God in spirit? And secondly, what does it mean to worship God in truth? And those two really being the fundamental pillars to praising God with song. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be powerful to to look into it because they question its spirits are um, that means are, are we just praising in tongues then? Are we saying words that we can identify? Or for me, anytime I am guided by the spirit, to me, I go back to the fruit of the spirit. What comes out of my heart is it? Is it love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, um, perseverance, all, all those things. That's to me like, so as, as I'm singing to God, right? Because we're talking about praising God, in song and it says that we should pray praise him with spirit and in truth my biggest thing is where where's my heart is and are the words that coming out of my mouth is being guided by that fruit of the spirit is there love and there's joys does this bring peace and is it uh, glorifies our father right and that's very important right the when it when we are operating in the spirit it's not about those gifts, um, those manifestations like the, the charismatic movement, mm -hmm, although there mm -hmm. is a lot of good redeeming fruit from that. There's also um, just like every other branch of Christianity, we, you know, there's things that we bring, we bring baggage into the church, we bring our own um, filters and lenses that sometimes distorts the word of God. And the most important thing about worshiping God in the spirit is in the fruit of the spirit, mm -hmm. that love, joy, peace, patience, like you said, absolutely, I, I totally agree with you. And the most important of those, right, being love. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, about how we could sing in the tongues of angels and of men, but if we have not love, mm -hmm. absolutely, it is nothing. Absolutely. And so to for me, even just hearing like we must worship in spirit and in truth, I almost feel like you could actually substitute in, in that sense. To worship in spirit means to worship in love, that, that God is love. And so that our worship should be coming from the heart. As I said, that you're singing twice, you're singing not only with your mind, you're not speaking to God just with your mind, but you're speaking to God with your heart. And, and Paul, I mean, even takes it further. He says in church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words than 10,000 words in a tongue. So when we worship uh, and we're, we're deep in that worship experience, that doesn't necessarily mean that we should just start blurting out words that are unintelligible, but there is a prophetic component to worship, which is often not discussed. That, that is a tradition throughout scripture that when people would sing, uh, the, there was a prophetic component to it. You even see in the stories, you know, through the Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. As we look into Moses' song right away in Exodus chapter 15, the, just right after they walked through the Red Sea and everything else, and Moses right away knows what needs to be done after this amazing miracle right he turns around and starts praising god with song and the first part the first uh, 12 verses in chapter 15 he talks about what just happened how god delivered them from the pharaoh from uh, from egypt and everything else but then what trish was saying then you look at starting in verse 13 it says in your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed in your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nation will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people. Of, and it just keeps going of talking about what God is going to do next. And that is, a, that is the cool part about the song led by the Spirit, right? And not only led by the Spirit, because as we 
read on in, in the Bible, we know that it's also truth, right? right? This is how you know the the prophet was a prophet because when he prophet prophesied, it actually came to pass. If not, he got stoned. But but then we look at again another Moses sings another song in Deuteronomy thirty two, and again he reminds the people how good God is and what he has done. But then he says. It's and it's it's very sad that song ends very sad because he says if you do if you follow God this is the blessings that you're going to receive if you don't do and follow God this is the the punishment that you're going to receive or the consequences consequences mm -hmm. thank you for some reason that word is leaving my mind today consequences and then sadly he ends he's like and I know you're going to do your own thing. Right. right, but he's prophesizing these things um, to the Israel, to God's people. Right. So that, that's that's a powerful part of, of the song. So again, when we sing, make sure that we're we're led by the Spirit. We're, we're singing the truth, and the, the words come out of our mouth. Right, and the the tradition obviously continues. I mean, you see, David is the classic example of of one who had the heart of God. Right, mm -hmm. and because he was a man after God's own heart, when we praise God with song, it's it's communicating not just with our minds, but with our hearts. And David being such an example of this, I mean, the entire book of Psalms, so much of it is is dedicated, was, was written and is attributed to David. I mean, there's obviously others who contributed as well, but he was the primary uh, author and, and player in that because out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth would speak and it resulted in this beautiful praise to God and not all of it being joyous and happy. Some of it mm -hmm. being full with lament, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, even anger uh, out of that wellspring, these beautiful, this beautiful legacy emerged. And we have that in the gift of, of Psalms. And there are others who it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon and they were given the gift to write songs as well. And they're, their writings are also in the book of Psalms uh, as contributors, as authors um, to those initial hymns uh, as well. And then it continues even into the New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. you, I mean, you see in Luke, right out of the box, uh, you have Mary's song, you have Zechariah's song, again, operating in the prophetic because they're visited by angels and they're visited and the spirit of the Lord gives them a word. Mm -hmm. And in response to that prophetic, they worship and they praise God with singing. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's with instruments and sometimes it's without. But the most important thing is that we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Not so much whether or not it's an organ or a keyboard or an electric guitar or drums. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really beautiful um, point to, for me to hear is that it's out, out of their heart, out of God did this for me. Like that, that's to, to me, it's, it's so wonderful. God does to me, and I can't help but sing and rejoice of what He has done for me. And and the thing is, they are not focusing so much on themselves. It's all to God's glory. Right. It's like through His uh, grace, through His wisdom, through His knowledge, through His strength. I, I was looking through where David sang in the in the Second Samuel twenty two. All these songs, He just it's it's all about. God is my strength and God gives me hope and God gives me wisdom. And it's like, oh, world, therefore I will praise you, O Lord, among the nation. I will sing praise to your name. It's, it's powerful. 
That's powerful. It's not that the greatest thing about our God, there's never going to be a time where we're short of praise. He's, he's that good. Right. He's that good. And in Mary's song, you know, it starts off with my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. So again, we see that she's worshiping in spirit. And as you mentioned, that's really the only thing that is attributed to her. The rest of it is all about what God has done, his hand, his mercy, his compassion. And Zechariah's song, which follows right after that, it says in verse, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading from Luke chapter one. This one is from verse 67. It says, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Mm -hmm. Again, that theme of prophecy uh, where, where the Holy Spirit is actually speaking through you uh, when you're singing at times, which is powerful. I don't think we talk much about that. Uh, and I, we might need to even unpack that mm -hmm. at a later point because yeah. <laughs> I'm not totally sure what that means, but it's definitely a theme here. But he goes on to say, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has redeemed his people. And in the focus of all of this praise, the center of true praise in song is God. It's not about us. Yeah. We are not at the center of it all, like that old classic Jesus um, is the center, center of, it all, yeah. of it all. Yeah, well, and I think this leads us to uh, our next point. Um, going back to what Trish was saying in First Corinthians thirteen, she she read she read the beginning of it, but she kind of missed the missed my favorite part about that verse. I think it's verse four, First Corinthians thirteen, verse four, where it says, "If we, if you don't have love, that you sound you sound like a resounding gong." Like for me, it's I'm I'm picturing this big old thing that makes lots of noise, and it's annoying. It's not beautiful. I don't I don't know why it was even made. Maybe just to get attention, right? I think it, it literally. Look at me. That's what gong is for. You hit that thing, and it's like look at me. That's all it is. But it's just annoying if you keep hitting it over and over and over again. So to me, I feel like when we come to God without love, right? We talked about love. Uh, not being led by the spirit, not speaking in truth. When we're coming to him, it's just a resounding gong. It's just, there's there's nothing there. What we're trying to do when we don't come with love, spirit, and truth, we're coming to be like, hey, look at me. And it's not, it's all about you without love. And we're going to have to go look at Amos. And we got we to gotta get into Amos. It's, it's one of those, Amos. the good old Amos, you know, it's one of those uh, verses that the first time I read it, it, it was a really a punch in the face. It was, and it, it's such a reflection of where we are as churches. Right. So in Amos chapter five, uh, many of you may be familiar with this text, but in verse 21, it says, I hate, I despise your religious gatherings. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. And, and here's the heart of it. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. Wow. And again, going back to that, he wants us to worship in spirit, which is the fruit of the spirit, that love, joy, peace, patience, right? So he, he's looking for justice. You know, Micah 6, 8, he has shown you what he requires of you, right? And that's to love mercy, to do justly, and to walk humbly with your God. And and that is something that we so often miss. We're, we're so worried about 
the dim lights or the fog machines or the PowerPoint up on the screen or how, you know, how well the musicians and the soundboard and, you know, all of these things, we're so distracted by so many things and we are missing the heart of worship, the, the very heart of worship, which is that it's supposed to be transformational from the inside out, that it draws us into the presence of God, uh, bringing him glory as, as our hearts are revealed. Because sometimes I know for me, there's times when I come into worship and, and I start to have an emotion or I become aware of emotions that are there that I, they were just bubbling beneath the surface. I didn't even know it was there, but it exposes my heart. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm forced to, to contend with some pretty difficult emotions uh, as I stand in God's presence. There's, just like Isaiah, when he he says, woe to me because I am undone, right? Mm-hmm. He, he hears them saying, holy, holy, holy. He sees this glorious scene of being in the presence of God and he's transformed. And what is the thing that has to be first transformed mm-hmm. is his lips, right? Yeah, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He identifies it right away. He sees the worship that's happening and he's like, I cannot do this. Right. I am sinful. That's, and so they purify his lips with the coals from the altar. Yeah. And, and, and what comes out of that, again, there's that theme, is then God gives him a word to bring back to the people, again, with the prophetic. And First uh, Chronicles, I found the text I was mentioning earlier, uh, 25, uh, 1 through 5 says, David and the commanders of the army set apart for service some of the sons of Asaph and Haman of Jeduthun, who were to prophesy with lyres, harps, and cymbals, the number of those who performed their service were the sons of Asaph, Zechur, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Asherah, the sons of Asaph. And it goes on and it names. And many of these are listed when you read Psalms. It will say, you know, the sons of Asaph or the sons of, mm-hmm. and it's these very, and it, it says they were set apart as priests for service who were to prophesy with their music and with their song. So, and, and again, prophecy not being always this future telling. To prophesy is to speak the word of God. Mm-hmm. It, it's to bring a word that God has for his people, to be an instrument uh, that that communicates in the prophetic something that we wouldn't otherwise naturally know, but that God is looking to, to tell us or to reveal to us. And, and that leads actually to the truth, right? Because if you're not prophesying mm-hmm. in truth, then you're a false prophet. Yeah. So the, the truth being the next key part of, you know, one, we need to be aligned with the Holy Spirit and not be speaking out of our own spirit or some other spiritual influence, but also to be operating in truth and not just off of what we feel or emotions or what sounds good, but off of the actual truth that's in the word of God. Yeah. It's, and uh, again, in Amos, we, we really don't, don't want to walk away from you guys see that he's talking about it's a it's a festival. It's a gathering they are bringing offerings it's not like they're ignoring him they are bringing offerings to him they are singing to him they are playing instruments but their heart is just not there it's far from them it's so far he, from them. and as a scripture that says you know they worship me with their lips but their hearts are far from me mm-hmm. which is uh zephaniah zephaniah chapter three zephaniah <laughs> gotta love it gotta uh, love we're, we're digging out some some oldies but goodies today i haven't heard too many sermons out of zephaniah but i love it so zephaniah chapter three it starts in verse nine. It says, I will purify the lips of the peoples. Mm. Again, this metaphor that we see, you know, with Isaiah. Isaiah, all of them will call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder from beyond the rivers of Cush. My worshipers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. So there's this beautiful picture, you know, where they were being rebuked 
in Amos, God is restoring them here in Zephaniah. He says, on that day, you will not be put to shame for the wrongs you have done. Um, I will remove them from the city, those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill. I like to say it that way, haughty. So part of the issue, right, and if the opposite of worshiping in spirit and in truth is that we're prideful and we're haughty and we come before the Lord, we come rushing into his presence with an arrogance about us and, and making worship about us rather than about him. And he says, never again will you be haughty on my holy hill. Like when we praise God with song, we should be with a posture of humility and that praising God puts us in our place and elevates uh, and gives glory to God. And this continues to go on and it says, sing daughter Zion, shout aloud Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. And he continues on, the Lord our, your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you mm. with singing. Oh, wow. And I love that. Uh, awesome. I just love that yeah. illustration because we don't think of that so so often. It's that that God somehow is on his throne and he needs this, you know, his ego boost, right? That we have to worship him. And pray. That's not what it's about. Yeah. But when we come to him with a pure heart mm-hmm. and we lift him up and we praise him, he sings to us in response. He sings over us. He rejoices over us, over that one lost sheep, right? Who who's brought home over that prodigal son and and the you know the the story of the lost son. They go in to the banquet and they're singing and dancing. And I think that's that's really the picture in heaven. So often, right? We talk about heaven. We have this idea that we're gonna worship God. Even I love Amazing Grace, but it's ten thousand years. You know, we're still singing. And, and that's not what heaven is about. I mean, it's a celebration. Sure, they'll be singing and dancing mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah. But it's not that we just go to heaven and we spend all of eternity. It's a big choir. Right. God God has angels for that. He already, he, has, he already has. There's a whole legion dedicated just to holy, holy, yeah. holy, right? They only got one, one verse. <laughs> holy, holy, holy. They don't need our help. Absolutely. No, I, I love that. That's, that's such an awesome image that he's going to. Uh, rejoice in song over us. That he delights in us, he will quiet us with his love, and he will rejoice over us with singing. It's just a beautiful imagery, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think as we're as we're teaching on this, I'm like, wow, if I was like a worship writer, like who writes songs for worship, I'd be challenged right now. You know, because for for us, we just follow along. <laughs> when we come to church, it's like, man, I hope this is a good song. But I want to, as you were saying, so saying something, and this, I don't remember where I heard it from. It could have been on Facebook. I don't know, but somebody was talking about in the church when people people sometimes leave the church because they didn't like the worship. The worship didn't make yeah. them feel good, and the reminder is that the worship wasn't about you. Yeah, like. Please and remember that. It's a huge, huge thing. People choose their church, they leave, and they find a new one. So often, based on whether or not they like the worship, and then the, you know the obvious, the second is usually the sermon, right? Whether they like the pastor or the preaching. Well, what kind of coffee they serve? You know? Oh, it's, it's, it goes in there. Anyways, <laughs> well, we have some good cafe con leche around here, yeah, so, there you go. so we're good. We're set. there. You go, but it's it's the going back to the heart. I I got to go back to my guy James. I got to go to James about talking about the heart and talking about. Uh, how we come to the Lord. And this this was just challenging for me. Uh, chapter 3 of James, verse 9, it starts, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and it, 
and it and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, there should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Uh, to me, it was just that's the song part of it. Also, it's when we're coming to to the Lord with our song. What was before? What was, what was coming out of our spring? What was coming out of our mouth before that? And that's when you were saying, like, when you come to, uh, come to worship God in song, what was happening before this? Did I just curse out my uh, my spouse and my children and whoever cut me off? And that's what's coming out. And I'm like, and now I'm now I'm in church or wherever, and I'm like, holy, holy, holy. And it's it shouldn't be like that. And that's a challenging for. You know, it's not a Sunday thing. It's an all-day thing. The, the things that come out of us should be praises, right. especially when we're speaking to God. Yeah, it, you know, Ephesians chapter 5, hmm. verse 15 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will, will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymn, and spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it, it resonates with what you're saying, uh, which is that you can't have, you can't be singing praise music one minute and being engaging in, in worldly things the next. And so often as Christians, we do that. We we take our faith and we compartmentalize it to, much, yeah. uh, you know, that hour on Sunday or that 15, 20 minutes of devotion time when we're listening to worship music or in a Bible study. And really the worshiping in spirit and in truth, this mountain, that mountain or, or wherever is that we're supposed to worship all the time. Right. And, and to be singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. Mm -hmm. So we're not supposed to just sing in praise to God for 20 minutes on a Sunday, we're supposed to be doing this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all week long. Uh, and, and it takes me back, honestly, to the culture that we had when we were back in the day in college, we had, we were at a Christian campus and there, a lot of the students were pastors, kids or church kids. And so often they would be at a party on Saturday night <gasps> or, in the, or in the <laughs> club. Right. And they would be just absolutely wasted. But then on Sunday, they were leading the chapel. They were leading the worship. And it just sent this, even then, as you know, a young, young in our faith, we, we felt that there was a dissonance there. There was a lack of integrity, a hypocrisy almost to it, that you, you couldn't be bumping and grinding on a Saturday night and then lifting your hands and, and praising and singing on Sunday. And, and this carries even into adulthood. A lot of churches are like this as well. You have worship leaders and musicians who are very talented, but their their discipleship component, there's not necessarily that much truth or depth to it. Uh, the fruit of the spirit is not necessarily there. And so they may be living one kind of a lifestyle, but there's very little accountability, a lot of looking the other way um, because they're, they're a very talented singer or musician. And we might hold maybe the pastor under a magnifying glass because they're preaching, but why are those who are guiding us in worship being held to a different standard. And I also feel just giving the disclaimer that just because you're on stage, you shouldn't be held to a higher standard. I think this is for the entire yeah. congregation. None of us should be 
living that double lifestyle. Yeah, I think, and you know, you brought that up because I experienced it very much firsthand as a non-Christian where we would party on on this Christian campus till two, three in the morning. I remember crawling out of a wherever we were, we were drinking and people like, hey, you come into church in the morning. I'm like, bro, I'm still going to be drunk tomorrow morning. And he's like, how could you? You got to go to church. And they're trying to evangelize to me. Uh, and everything else and that that's what I was seeing but in that moment the, the there's a difference there I think that I just want to pause with that is that if they were coming on Sunday morning after something like this with confession and um, on their knees seeking forgiveness going to the Lord in the spirit and in truth not in debauchery <laughs> that they were they were living I think there's a lot of freedom and that's where that song would actually purify them. Uh, but honestly, they probably, it was probably condemning them. It, it potentially, right. Cause they're in this cycle. And I think this, this might actually be the point where we could kind of park and, and land tonight, which is that as you know, we were researching really understanding that singing and music and praising God with song is a way of communicating our emotions or our posture in the presence of God. And if, if we don't know that very often worship is actually being used and we use this language that we worship in order to enter the presence of God, or we need worship leaders to usher us into the presence of God. And that's not really, we wouldn't even need worship leaders. We wouldn't need that dynamic if we really understood what it means to praise God with song. Because it's that cycle. If you have been praising God and seeing God's handiwork mm -hmm. Monday through Saturday, and you've been evidencing the transformation power of his Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. his resurrection power at work within yep. you, then when you come into the presence of God, he's already, you've been in his presence all week. And when the music starts, you're already in his presence. You're aware of his presence. And you are now having an opportunity to express what you already have inside of your soul, inside of your heart. And out of that overflow, then you worship. Mm -hmm. But what happens is we come into worship on a Sunday dry. and we're already dry. Exactly. You knew where I was like, we're dry. And we expect this. We treat worship like it's hype music. And it it's, you know, we're inviting the Holy Spirit, right? Into, <laughs> he should have been, been there. <laughs> he he should have already been there because the Holy Spirit's within us. If, if we're having to invite him, we, we've already, like, we didn't leave him parked at the altar the Sunday before. Yeah. And so, so then that creates this reverse cycle, right? If you have been in his presence and you sing and worship out of that overflow, then that worship then rejuvenates you, renews you. And as you leave, you've had that vulnerability where you've repented and, and God has used that prophetically to show you your heart and what needs to change. And the, and the light and the presence of God, you've had that Isaiah moment where he has to touch your lips because you realize yeah. there's things that he's still working on in you. And then the following Monday through Saturday, you're taking that with you and that new work he's done, you bring the following week. But instead we leave it and we use worship. We've made ourselves the idol of worship and we treat the music and the song as to set the mood, right? It becomes mood music yeah. that gets us into a mood and then we leave and we're dry again until the following week. Worship is not meant to be hype music. It's not meant to emotionally manipulate us into a certain type of feeling 
or to sense the spirit of God because we really just have adrenaline running through our, you know, through our bodies. It's supposed to express a mood, the mood that we bring into the song, the mood that we bring into the worship experience. Uh, we should be setting the tone rather than the, the music setting the tone in us. Yeah, that's that's powerful. As you were talking about about that, yeah, I think that's a great point. And Jesus, when he talks to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he calls them the whitewashed um, tombs. Tombs. Thank you. I'm like graves. That's not it. Whitewashed tombs. They're saying like you look good on the outside, but nothing in the heart. So we can come and we can sing all the songs, Christian songs that we want. But if there's nothing inside our heart that is, if there's no spirit that is filled, if there's no truth, there's no love, even in our singing, we're just whitewashed tunes and we're dead. Yeah. We're dead. And I think it could sound, it could sound great, right? But we're in the spiritual realm, we're just a resounding gong. And, and God may be actually hearing dissonance and saying, just stop. I'd, I'd just rather you just didn't because your <laughs> your lips are there, but your heart is far from me. That's challenging. Challenging, right? Amen. Thank you for spending time with us during this episode. We pray that this teaching blessed you and brought you closer to understanding God. If you'd like to contact us, please email us at corechurch242 at gmail.com. Until next time, know you are loved and covered in prayer.